Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. Check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code UNDERMINE for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code UNDERMINE for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. I always make it seem like I'm pressing some important button right before we start. Um, but I'm not. There's no important buttons. Um, hello and welcome to Undermine. I hope you all filled up your DeLoreans with just enough gas to join us for the next 30 minutes or so, because we're going back to a historic night, not just for fish fans, but for anyone who counts their days by the Gregorian calendar. Because tonight, we're going to New Year's Eve, 1997. Hong Kong was handed over to to China from British rule. And oh yeah, fish finalized their destroying of America. I just, I'm, I'm proud of us that we're not doing this part of season four on the actual anniversary because that would make too much sense. And it would, it would make everyone understand what's happening. <laughs> well, you know, RJ, I think we're just, uh, I guess you could say we're taking our cue from fish because they celebrated new year's Eve, 2021 and April of 2022. And uh, and we also are having a whale of a time, I might add. Oh, no. Are those dad jokes again? <laughs> um, you just heard from my co-hosts, RJB and Benji Eisen. I guess this is an inverted introduction because this is Undermine, and I'm your host, Tom Marshall. That's true. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> well, I am. Um, but happy that we can just dive right on in with this one. And we've got three sets to cover and an utter ball to consider. For context... This is just Fish's second time playing the garden on New Year's Eve itself. So even though now it's a tr tradition all the time, I was just excited about the idea that this could even become a tradition. So let's get right into it. I'm going to choose Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo, Benji. Okay, well, let's talk about uh, this night by first saying last night, 1230, had that ACDC badge that we said gave the Hampton badge a run for the money. And then on this show, New Year's Eve, it opens with Emotional Rescue, which also it, would, it debuted at Hampton, which was a month prior. So this is the second Emotional Rescue. And, and this, one, this one jams. Uh, once it goes around the track, 
it suddenly becomes like a 97 style front workhorse immediately in a, in a way that it wasn't back out, you know, when they, they broke it out at Hampton in, in a way that makes me wish now that they did it more, especially in that Cal funk era. Um, and then here after, you know, after the, they, they go into the jam, it segues into Yamar, which is a song that was perhaps, uh, in my opinion, best enjoyed when they served it with the side of Cal funk. RJ, what, what's your thoughts on this opening frame here? I mean, I really, I think the, I remember getting the tapes again and I got to say, I, I, I mentioned maybe when we were talking about 1228 that uh, I had the biggest regret about this show. My friend Chris, who I grew up with, ended, I sold my ticket to him. It was a 10th row floor ticket back when they had seats on the floor of MSG. And the reason I gave it, I sold it to him is because I didn't have tickets for the other shows and I was 18 and I was like, I don't know if I can just go to New York by myself with one ticket. And um, I could have been 10th row in the middle. And looking back as an 18-year-old, like, of course, I could have gone to New York and gone to a show. And in fact, I, I decided to go to Long Island, New York, four months later as, a, as an 18 or 19-year-old. And it worked out perfectly. So I should have gone. But I, I got the tapes. And getting a three-set show in the mail is always, always, you know, special. But I do think this whole... Maybe my highlight of the entire show is this emotional rescue. It just is, it's so fun. I mean, it's so, the the lyrics are ridiculous, you know, the vocals anyway. Um, but the vocals and the lyrics, both ridiculous. But such a great way to start one of these big shows. And I think this first set, like, it flows really well. Um, there's not, like, a lot of extended jamming. But, you know, they're keeping these sets kind of tight because it's New Year's Eve. But I really love this uh, this opener into Yamar, which is another fun one, just to keep it light and keep it keep it moving on on New Year's Eve. Hey, listeners! I want to tell you about one of our great partners, DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. If you're a musician and looking to get your music out there, DistroKid is the way to go. DistroKid is available for iOS and Android and is now available in Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. More than a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music onto Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all other major streaming services. And with DistroKid, you can upload new releases, see your financial progress, get notified when you've earned royalties, withdraw money from the app, view and share links, check your streaming stats, and a whole lot more. DistroKid has more features than any other music distributor. Check them out today. Go to distrokid.com, that's distrokid with a capital K, dot com slash VIP slash undermine for a special offer only for our listeners. That's distrokid, capital K, dot com slash VIP slash undermine. Thanks, DistroKid. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.
RJ, I think maybe I am uh, rubbing off on you because that was a uh, Benji style answer. It had some, you know, some references and some teases and some callbacks and, you know, uh, as it went down the set. And so uh, I'm proud of you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> hey, Tom, uh, before we move on to the net set, um, I have I have two questions for you. Uh, let me just save time. I can just answer them right now. Um, yes. Is question one and uh, yogurt, granola, almond milk, a banana, and a little cranberry juice. Well, you nailed them, <laughs> but, but I got two more for you then. So the first one is, uh, you know, Limb by Limb. Like, did you write the lyrics for Limb by Limb before Trey came up with the music, or was this one of your, you know, mints and match pairings? Um, so Scott Herman and I wrote the back and forth, the, uh, never want my hand cut off part while we were supposed to be working at AT&T. So, so long before Trey and I turned it into a song, uh, we did that via email. We were across a large floor of cubicles from each other and we'd lapse into long set sessions of, of mutual poetry using the term loosely, uh, writing stuff like this in Cavern, for example. Um, but fast forward to the actual writing session with Trey in Stowe, probably in 96, um, where we were finally uh, writing and recording Limb by Limb uh, in its in demo form for the first time. And uh, he and I wrote the uh, intro together, the shoulder that I lean on uh, part. Um, and then we sang the back and forth lyrics that Paige and he sing on stage. Um, and uh, lastly, there's like this, people always ask me about this drum part. It's like the amazing drum beat. Is Trey playing that? Because they hear the demo version on uh, Trampled by Lambs and Pecked by the Dove. And it's a stunning, difficult drum beat. And no, uh, Trey had recorded it or composed it on a, on a drum machine. Uh, and he brought that ahead of time. So that, that beautiful beat. Uh, what was your second question? Um, oh, my second question is about um, the next song of the set, which is The Horse. Um, and it's a question about the original lyrics for that. Um, who was Matilda? <laughs> Matilda is a, uh, she is a, a character um, in a song that we wrote a long time ago. Uh, it's actually called Matilda. Uh, and it has extremely rude lyrics. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think maybe the statute of limitations is over on being embarrassed about rude lyrics. I'm going to ask Trey if it's cool for me to finally uh, put that out on my SoundCloud. Um, check out Thunderburn, B-U-R-N, Thunderburn on SoundCloud. And I'll add Matilda to that if I get the thumbs up because um, we're beyond embarrassment now. And uh, speaking of that, it might be a good time to go to break. Do you guys agree? <laughs> I don't know sure. how, speaking of what, but yes. <laughs> Embarrassment. <Speaking> is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we're, going green. To, we're going to break. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, everybody. I'm still Tom Marshall. This is still Undermine. And my co-hosts are still RJB and Benji Eisen. We've got two sets plus a New Year's gag to cover. The second set on paper looks like a Mike's Groove sandwich after a set opening timber. Uh, RJ, please walk us through it. So I mentioned in during the set one discussion, the, the sets were a little bit short. This was about 60... 60 minutes or so, um, but but really packed and, and, you know, kind of a breather in the middle there. But the, the timber gets things moving, which is... 
you know, I first saw Timber in 97, I think. And it would just, it kind of freaked me out, you know, like, I feel like that was in the nineties when I saw Timber, it just is such a nice way to create a really strange atmosphere for a set. And this is like the perfect setup for what is a really, really good mics that goes into, according to Fishnet, not a segue, but mics and then Piper into Circus Comes, into Roses Are Free, into Weekabog. The this is a, it's a fun set. Uh, my only question is why they played Roses Are Free for five minutes in between Circus Comes and Weekabog, but that's um, you know beyond beyond my um, my ability to to understand. But but this is a it's a fun set. I think capped by this closer, the Weekabog, that sends everyone back to uh back to the drawing board for set three but i i really like this mike song i don't know um if you guys have have thoughts on on this set but but it's a fun one in the middle here benji um you know we talked the other day about how new year's eve shows aren't always the strongest of the run and and we we definitely know that rj's vote is is the the previous night twelve thirty. but halfway through this twelve thirty one, what's your thought well, you know, Tom, I uh, I really liked this night. Uh, in fact, I had forgotten just how much I liked it. Because, okay, so 12.29 and 12.30 are both on Live Fish, and so I listen to them, you know, I'd say periodically, and, and probably, and will continue to do so probably for the, the rest of my life, you know. Um, and then 12.28 isn't a show that I found myself wanting to listen to a whole lot once we migrated from the CDRs to, to streaming, I just haven't gone back in, until this past week when we did it in, in the holds up. It's a great second set, but, uh, but you know, if, if you wanted to stream or if you want to, I should say stream New Year's Eve 97, the show we're talking about today, obviously you have to go to reason listen or archive.org, or you have to have it on, on your hard drive or, you know, otherwise get an audience taped download. The soundboard is to this day, still under lock and key. And usually that means these days that I'm not listening to it, you know, just out of, because there's so many great sound, you know, shows out there with with amazing sound that were that's been prepared and remixed and remastered. So, uh, you know, there's there's so many to choose from. Um, so I don't really go off the the path that much anymore. Um, but holy shit, guys, this show smokes. Um, and for a New Year's Eve show. Especially because oftentimes for New Year's Eve, the first set feels like a very much of a first set feel to it. The the second set feels like them being nervous about something and they know something we don't know. So they, there's this nervous energy. Sometimes that means that they play like a song like Piper a little bit faster. And then they kind of, they do the six minute uh, um, roses are free type things, you know, because they have a lot and, and, and they're doing these great songs, but you can tell that there's an apex to the set that they know that, that we don't, you know? Um, and then the third set, you know, and, and that answer takes us into set three. So like, like many New Year's Eve shows, set three is kind of a, you had to be there kind of set, you know, because the gag happens and then afterwards things are going around, you know, and it's kind of, it either plays into the gag or else it is blowing steam off after you know immediately having the gag both for the band and the audience which is why when you're there everyone is very much on the same page and it's a celebration but uh but here for this night uh, you know um there's the gag uh tom tom do you, do you remember the gag 
<laughs> it's funny you, you you phrase it that way um, because I did over party the night before is a rookie move. You know, you, you party on New Year's, you don't party the, the night before. Um, but I, cause I had done my stage performance on the 30th. So I get so nervous and, and, and worked up before those. I, I think I had like, just I had to work off some energy and I just did New York City that night and never slept. And that said, I was not in the best shape. I think I woke up like right before the show. And I remember people asking, are you OK the whole time? <laughs> it was one of those. Um, and the first set might as well have been forgotten. But I, I will say um, I jumped back into consciousness around uh, Mike's song. Totally remember it. Uh, Piper, Circus and then Roses was like a slap in the face. I was like, yes, I'm here now. Um, and then uh, a long Wikipog, too long, but the great 97 fish to end 97. Um, but you asked about the gag and honestly, I didn't either, either didn't quite get it or just laughed along waiting for it to hit me. It never really did. The balloons are cool. I actually have one of those hand painted super balloons still. Well, I, I agree with you about the gag. It, it, they've had so many memorable gags over the years. And I think maybe that's why I did phrase it with, do you remember the gag? It was kind <laughs> of, you know, this one, it, it all, it seemed like it was a great New Year's Eve show. It was a great New Year's Eve run. But the gag itself to me always seemed almost like an afterthought to them, you know, it, like, which usually doesn't, that's usually not my, my, my take on, on the gag. But this one always seemed like a, a slight miss to me. Um, although it was, it's, you know, better than filling up the Boston garden with, with more balloons than massholes, I suppose. But, uh, still the, the visual of seeing that, that thing pop is the first thing that comes to my mind when I think back on the show and like the, 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 the graphics they had on the side of it. But it's when I listen back to this set, it, it's very rare that I ever have any comment on a maze, but, but this particular maze is is holy shit what's going on it, it's it's a must listen uh and then the rest of the set is for you know popping balloons <laughs> they um i mean ending ending the set with a pretty raucous loving cup is a great great way to go out and i i feel like in some ways this new year's run made me think a little bit more about like the ups and downs that energy wise the band must be going through when they're playing four nights in a row you know like like by the third set of the last night like they must just be exhausted you know like i think that maze is like i read a comment on fishnet which was like just if you haven't listened to this maze it was it was kind of painful and i thought it would never end and i think the band was relieved when it did end um <laughs> which i think is a funny comment unfinished yeah, i thought that maze is amazing so there you so go, there you go. So this is, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy set and there's a tweezer in there too, which was, you know, I think not something that, that you go back to all that often, but um, I want to ask you guys, because we're, we're getting close to the, to the end here, but let's, we should talk about the encore. And I, I do want to introduce something that I, that I said on social media the other day, which is that maybe we just like get rid of encores because a few times I've been at shows recently where like the band was about to run out of time. So they just, play a long second set and you know i think you get like more of a jam at the end and and encores are like you know like we talked about rocky top you know it's like okay you play a three minute song and then like we all know what's going to happen for the most part unless you get a 12 30 97 encore this one was so a multi-part question new york new york here into tweezer reprise 
first time they played that. Um, what did you guys think of that? And also, what do you guys think about where we are in human history with regard to encores? Let, let's inver, invert that for a second. I, I want to talk about encores, and then, Tom, I want your take on the New York, New York, which which I thought was a wonderful statement, you know, uh, perfectly placed. But, RJ, the, here's the thing about encores, and it didn't even occur to me until I heard your, your lovely monologue on it a second ago, and that's that... You know, over the years, sometimes encores do seem like, you know, gratuitous and 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 also uh unnecessary. And I have seen bands like 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 the Disco Biscuits and other jam bands say we're we're about to run out of time. Instead of doing that, we're not gonna walk off and you know and then there's other bands that never do an encore. Electric Beethoven never does an encore because encores t- tend to be less than an hour long. You know? And, and um, Beethoven never did an encore. Yeah, exactly. But uh but there there are so so and then Primus sucks. The whole the whole reason why people say Primus sucks is because Claypool said, you know, encores are so ridiculous that he wasn't gonna do one unless the entire audience told was yelling about how the band sucks to egg him on, you know, get him to come back on stage. But with Fish, however, I've always thought that Trey was a master of uh, setless composition, right? On his on his good nights, right? Where he can tell us to he knows how to tell a story through the arc of a set. And another thing that he does so well that complements that, and this he always nails, and that's that he knows how to, he knows, he knows how to, um, he, he kind of knows what the audience needs and how to give it to them. So for instance, when they're th- like that, uh, that show and, and uh, I, I don't believe I'm drawing a blank on it now, but the show where, and, and it was a tab show where the balcony was swaying and it was dangerous and Trey decides he knows what to do instead of ending the show. Uh, and he's going to play a sit down tune where that everyone's going to sit down and stop dancing, you know, and he kind of just knows how to do that. And the encores, when you're at the end of a fish show, especially a super high energy fish show, right. And you're just, you know, the type of show where, where you know, everyone's going to be high fiving the security guards on the way out. Right. After that, you can't just send 20,000 people out into the streets of New York City in that crazy mindset, you know? Like, it's just, there's the, like, what are you going to do with that energy? So that's the whole point of you have a few minutes of, oh my God, you know, like, make me normal again. I can't make a complete sentence. Where's my friends? I get it. We got to get going. But before we get going, we know they're going to do something. But you also know that chances are they're not going to do you know, uh, something like a creamy black eye Katie sneaking Sally is, you know, or, you know, uh, Frankenstein, they're not going to do something. It's, it, it might be bug. It might be, you know, which I love as an encore, by the way, it might be life beyond a dream, which I also love as an encore. And one of the reasons I love those songs as encores is there's such great comeback into your body, you know? And so even Rocky top is great because Rocky top is a great little tune, but it's also like, it doesn't leave you in the stratosphere. It, it brings you back in a way that like you're ready to now to, to go out and, and do whatever you're going to do after the show, you know? So uh, uh, I'm going to agree with Benji. Um, I kind of need those two breaks, even though like the second break, the, the break before encore is, you know, you know, that it's sort of a, a downer sometimes. Cause you know that it's just a short little uh, goodbye coming after that. But uh, you know, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's incredible, but uh, I think Trey also kind of likes the, you know, you, you see them bow after every set, a full bow. And I think Trey kind of harkens back to this is a show. This is like something like, uh, you know, like when you see uh, Gone with the Wind, a movie Gone with the Wind, and and it has like an intermission 
it like kind of reminds you that they're trying to be like a a, a play, like you know, a, a play that you might see on on the on the stage, um, you, you know, performed by real actors. And it's kind of, I think Trey still has that sort of feeling. And I also agree with Benji that Trey knows what he's doing; he's crafting it, and and the encore is very much part of the the whole construction of it. So uh, uh, we're conditioned, we're fish fans, so the the encore is part of our part of our upbringing. It sets your expectations, you know, because now you know, okay, we have 10, 15 minutes left. They're going to do one or two songs and it's going to be great and we're going to enjoy it. But then like we, you know, we're, it, it sets your expectations. Um, although talking about expectations, I don't think anybody expected them to do this New York, New York, you know, Andre, that I, I did not call that one, <laughs> but I loved it. And it, it made a lot of sense. You know, they're, they're in New York City on, on New Year's Eve uh, last night of the of the year, you know, they're down from, from Penn station. I mean, from uh, Times Square, you know? Um, and so they're in the heart of New York. Of course they're going to do it. Tom, what do I, you think? I, yeah, I, yes. I, I sometimes have sort of not cringy, but sometimes don't like it as much because, because it makes a joke out of lawn boy when, when Paige kind of does the, 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 the lizard lounge kind of walking, singing sort of lounge singer thing, Vegas kind of act. But, um, I got to give Paige credit for this one because he nails it. Um, and the crowd singing along almost like, you know, it's overwhelming and they ate it right up. And it's like New York, we're here, we're a band, we belong here and, and we're in New York. And then at the end, when he stood up, he got off the keys and stood up, the crowd flipped out and it's kind of like he's tipping his hat to Sinatra and the nightclub aspect. And right at that moment, I felt like we were all in the nightclub and, and and I loved it. So so yes, a, a thumbs up on on that it, one for me. It also kicked off their fish New New Year's Eve tradition, really, because even though they had played there in '95, and and then they you know and they had played there previously, and after this was the first after after this night, fish runs at New uh, uh, on New Year's Eve at MSG were the standard. Last last word, RJ. Um, thumbs up on the on the Sinatra. Yeah, I mean, I also I now I have to go back on my encore thing because you might guys basically made the argument that if I don't like encores, then I don't think Trey knows what he's doing. So I guess now I do I do like encores. Thank you everybody for all the encores. What do you um, think of juice encores? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about that right now. Oh my gosh, we're not allowed to talk about goose on undermine, but um, they're really good. <laughs> um, that's gonna do it for us, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us for this four show mini hit um and you know where we where we took apart and dissected and hopefully reassembled fish's new year's 1997 run uh we're going to finish out the season yes the season keeps going uh with the final four shows of fall 97 again moving around in time in the delorean the april 98 island tour is that correct it is yep but first Fish embarks on their spring 2023 tour. <laughs> so follow them down to the Pacific coastline if you dare and give your flux capacitor a break. We'll see you on the islands long and road when we meet again. Until then, never forget that Undermine is brought to you by Osiris Media. Executive producers are Tom Marshall, RJB, and Benji Eisen. Edited by Eric Limarenko. Mixed and mastered by Matt Dwyer. Production assistance from Nick Sejas. Original music by Amar Sastri. Art by Mark Dowd. Thank you, everyone. Osiris. 
This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.